All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, participate in the conversation by commenting down below and upvoting the video itself. I am here with John Garcia. And before we get started, I do want to let you know that LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. John, we are creeping up to that late signing day. Really only one name that we can look at because there's not really any other prospects. There's a couple of rumors out there. But Chim Diono, the linebacker out, um, he was a former Old Dominion commit, bet on himself, took some visits, kind of blew up in the late period. What are you hearing about Chimdy? Well, Chimdy's coming to Oxford this weekend, so I, I think Ole Miss will have its shot. We know uh, that the new offensive line coach, Coach Garrison, has been up in, in his native northeast and has really done a good job keeping the Rebels in this recruitment because at different points it's felt like the Big Ten schools were sort of pulling away. And this is a three Big Ten versus one SEC school race down the home stretch. He saw Rutgers before early signing day. And then the last two weekends or last week in Michigan State and then Penn State the weekend before that. And there's really been a lot of Penn State smoke. I think Michigan State is trying to close that gap. So here comes Ole Miss there at the 11th hour. You know, it's it's gone head to head with both Penn State and Michigan State successfully over the last few years uh, on the recruiting trail. Kendrick Roscano comes to mind in, in, in this class. But, yeah, it, it's going to be tough going against those Big Ten programs. But Ono's never been to Oxford. He's never really been an SEC-level recruit until right now. And like you said, he bet on himself to get there. So it will be interesting to see what kind of a counter – Ole Miss presents itself as. I mean, you get into the Grove, you get into that part of, of this country, and it feels different than it does in State College or East Lansing in particular. No disrespect to Rutgers, but I think it's the other two Big Ten teams to worry about. So I wonder how that counter will be received by a Chimdi and his family. You know, there's really no way to put an expectation on it, but he's still taking the Ole Miss visit. He is confirmed. He's still down to these four programs, and he's saying the right things. It's all even in his mind. So we'll see again when those 48 hours elapse in Oxford just how he feels right before signing day. You want to be first or last on the visit front, and, and that's where Ole Miss is for one of its really, like you said, final targets in this high school recruiting class of 23. So, you know, it's not going to be just hanging out with your position coach in Oxford. Lane will be there. Other coaches will be there. Pete Golding probably stops by. This is an all hands on deck, red carpet type of final official visit. So I think that'll be big for the rebels chances to swing late for a big time riser. Yeah, for sure. And since you brought his name up, Keter Cascano in the Polynesian bowl, he did something you don't see very often. hundred yards had a game winning touchdown, I told people, whenever you watch an all-star game, you see a running back, the stat line is usually five carries for 30 yards. And that that was a pretty good day. It is rare to see somebody go 10 for 100 yards against that level of competition with that offensive line. It's funny because right when you said that, the first two guys that came to mind that had big games in all-star settings were Jerry and Ely and Zach Evans, who both, they did that at the Under Armour game. Obviously, eventually, each ended up at Ole Miss making big plays for the Rebels. So I think there's something to be said for that. That Polynesian Bowl field was loaded, especially 
in the trenches, as you would expect. So I think that's where you, you see just kind of the complete package that Roscano is based off of that production. He, he's got a little bit of everything. The size is great. He runs with a low center of gravity. Contact balance is really strong. We'll remind you a little bit of Quinchon Judkins coming out of high school. But I think he's got another gear that he's been able to show in terms of getting to top speed. He gets there in a hurry, and that's something that could help you rack up plays in chunks just like he did uh, out way on the West Coast there uh, in Hawaii. So huge late get for Ole Miss. And another, like like you said earlier, another head-to-head win over Michigan State, who you might be battling again for Ono before all is said and done. Yeah, indeed. So let's change gears real quick and talk about the quarterback room, where Ole Miss went from like kind of a desert. It was Jackson Dart and a couple of walk-ons to all of a sudden have potentially the most stacked quarterback room in the Southeastern Conference. And uh, that just blows my mind. Talk about your first impressions of this scenario. Well, all eyes are on Jackson Dart at this point for me because this is if this isn't a wake-up call, I'm not sure – uh, what what it could look like otherwise uh, you you were the starter last year didn't work out at the end of the cycle and now you're gonna have to kind of win it all over again against very different competition than Luke Altmeyer. so I, I like what Ole Miss did from a variance perspective you you want volume look that's important you need bodies in this quarterback room because look it's the SEC these schedules are getting longer. These seasons are getting longer. You're going to go through some type of attrition. But you also need different styles. You need different profiles from quarterbacks to go in and compete if you aren't quite sure if your returning starter is the guy. So with Dart, of course, you get this traditional dual threat with a huge arm uh, and some toughness and size to that uh, and some polish in the passing game a little bit to be desired. With Sanders, you get a ton of experience. You do still get a lot of that athleticism and that movement element, but you get a lot more real game, real time experience against a league that we're starting to find out was, was a lot better than we thought in the last few years in the big 12. And then with Walker Howard, you're, you're getting your long-term upside guy. This is the, the, the blue chip high pedigree, high efficiency quarterback with the best arm and the best high school career coming into the situation. But You know, he had a year at LSU where he got to learn a lot on top of it. So I'm not discounting Walker Howard in this race. And and that's the thing. I think it's a real race. Um, A lot of times when we talk about transfer portal quarterbacks, especially when you bring in a, a grad transfer, it's really like, okay, it's his job and we'll see what happens thereafter. I'm not sure it's that simple at Ole Miss. And that's a good thing. It's going to make spring practice that more intense for that room and for the decision makers thereafter obviously at the top with lane kiffin it's going to make more people dial in to Ole miss football which we know the the man at the top wants that uh, as well and then of course most importantly it's going to help the cream rise to the top and i think by the end of spring ball you're going to see some type of movement between these three guys and potentially on the back end, you could see one of these guys bow out of the race by leaving the school altogether. I think that is as modern a quarterback situation as, as you can have. Three very different skill sets, and, and you know it's not going to work out for all three of them. But as of January 24th, as we record this, that's a good spot for Lane Kiffin to be in because he wants to charge up this team going into the new year, going into you know his fourth year where, where this roster is all his. This will be all Lane Kiffin in the end, and I think this is about how how well he could have drawn that up. 
Yeah, the one way I've tried to explain to people a little bit about what's going on with Jackson Dart and this whole thing is it's kind of like Mike Tyson's punch out. You know, again, <laughs> USC, he fought against Bald Bull, Keaton Slovis, and won that job. Last year, he took down Super Macho Man um, to get the job, and now he has Mike Tyson. He's at the end. The big boss is here. And this competition will be, honestly, his legacy at Ole Miss. If he, if he pulls this off, he has a chance to really perform well. Because there's a chance that he throws for 3,500 yards next year, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions or 8 interceptions or something like that, and just goes to the NFL and it's Walker Howard's team. But if he struggles and allows Spencer Sanders to take the job, Jackson Dart's probably gone. He's probably in the window. Spencer Sanders does a year. And either way, it goes over next year to Walker Howard. It, that's kind of my feeling in this deal. I'm with you. I think, yeah, all eyes start on Dart. But, yeah, they can move off of him really quickly. And it's going to be telling. Again, this is exactly what you want. You want to put that pressure on this guy to see if he is that long-term solution. Because, uh, yeah, it could. you get the sense almost, Stephen, that it's going to – whoever the guy is – it's going to work out pretty well for them offensively. This uh, O-line is retooled through the portal and high school. Uh, these receivers, my gosh, every year they're they're presenting so differently, but they're just as talented, maybe more so in 2023, maybe more depth in 2023 than we've seen the last couple of years. So in theory, Michael Trigg comes back as well. In theory, you've got the opportunity to step into a, a quick path to the NFL, as you mentioned. Um, but on the other side of it, you, you could be looking for a school – in four months as well. So it, it is that tricky, but look, that's, that's the model of quarterback rooms in this modern age of college football. Georgia's going to go through it. Alabama's going to go through it. Ohio state is going to go through it. And, and you know, they were all 11 plus win teams and two of the three went to the playoff last year. So if you want to be among the best, this is the type of quarterback room and turnover that has to get you there. All right. I got a comp, you know, I like to do comps on this. And so Walker Howard, I've got a comp. And the comp is Matt Corral. What do you think? Oh, Ole Miss fans would love that. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no uh, way you could sort of taint that reputation uh, in Oxford, in my opinion, especially relative to where he began, the turnovers, just that reputation and the perception shifting all the way towards, you know, however high he finished in the, in the darn Heisman Trophy race at the end of the year. I like it. Walker's a little bit bigger. Uh, I think he's a little bit more polished coming out of high school, um, but he's got some of that same mobile ability. I think he can run a modern offense the way Corral ran it, and I thought that was his his biggest strength at Ole Miss. It wasn't the arm or the toughness or the legs. It was how he ran the offense, you know, the actual foundation of, of quarterbacking, playing point guard out there and moving fast while you do it, kind of being the on-field Lane Kiffin. And if Walker can do that mentally, physically, he's he's there and then some compared to Matt Corral. So that's about uh, as, as good a comp and scenario you could create for that Rebel fan base. All right, one more question before I let you go today. Now, Michael Trigg. You know, you brought him up earlier, and I just thought about that. With Caden Priestcorn being recruited, who is an all-AAC level tight end coming in, is there a chance Ole Miss is running some 12 personnel and maybe playing Michael Trigg in the slot as more of a plus wide receiver than a tight end? Absolutely. That's what he kind of wants to do anyway. He won't tell you that, I don't think. 
But look, this is look at Evan Ingram in the NFL now with the Jags. That's basically what Michael Trigg is supposed to be. He wants to be this jumbo plus sized wide receiver. And look, in high school, I never saw him in line. At USC, he barely did it. And, and we didn't see it much uh, early in, in the Ole Miss impression. That's where he's most comfortable playing on the outside with that ability to, to win one on one and overwhelm a back seven defender. And I think that's the best case scenario for Ole Miss. It, again, the targets have reloaded and then some from a pass catcher perspective and having balanced tight ends to where you can trot out two tight ends. I don't remember the last time I saw that consistently at Ole Miss. That is a huge advantage that will not only help whoever that quarterback is, it's going to help the running game simultaneously. So again, Ole Miss has a chance to fall forward in a big way in 23. And obviously the health and progression of Michael Trigg is going to be a big part of that. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. John, thank you so much for coming by today and we'll catch up with you either right before signing day or right after, bud. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks for having me on. All right.